I'm Johnny. I'm Heather. I'm Ani. And this is your movie hour. Welcome to Your Movie Hour, a podcast where we explore the deep truths we can learn from our favorite films and television shows. You can find us at yourmoviehour.com. You can also email us at yourmoviehour at gmail.com. Please join our Facebook group where we talk about every episode of the podcast. Just go to Facebook and search for Your Movie Hour Community. You can also find us on Twitter at Your Movie Hour. If you like what we do with this podcast, please tell your friends. You can also rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to support us financially, check out our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and search your movie hour. We have a bunch of cool perks on there. Speaking of our Patreon, special thanks to our most recent patron, Scott. Thank you, Scott. So let's introduce ourselves. I'm Johnny, and I work as a pastor. My name is Heather, and I am a filmmaker and content creator. Uh, my name is Ani, and I'm a senior in high school, and I'm also Heather's sister. Yeah, sisters. <laughs> also, Ani, I wanted to ask you just a few questions about um, something that you did for school last year. You took a film appreciation class, right? Uh-huh, I did. Uh, we would watch different movies and kind of discuss them more deeply and like what the director was trying to get across and the symbolism in the stories and the characters and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's pretty much exactly what we do for this podcast so you are like well prepared um yeah. Ani is perfect for it yeah it's perfect, perfect. For it. how did taking that class change the way that you view movies just in general like do you watch them kind of with a different eye um I think it kind of taught me how to look at them differently I don't always look at them differently now but I kind of Ha, like have the muscle to strengthen now to look at movies that way um and actually look at like the different elements that make a film good yeah that's awesome I studied mm -hmm. film in school right so I just love that kind of stuff and after I found out that you took a film appreciation class like we had this long conversation about the different movies that you watched which I hadn't seen a bunch of them um so it was mm -hmm. really cool hearing uh, just the stuff that you watched and learned um, with those particular movies. As we get into our movies of discussion today, It and It Chapter 2, let's start with an easy question. In the movies, Pennywise appears to the kids as something they fear. For you, how would Pennywise have appeared when you were a kid? I think for me, he probably would have appeared as a bunch of bugs. <laughs> yeah. I was really, really skeezed out by bugs as a kid, and I still am. It would be less. like that that, that uh, Indiana Jones scene. Yeah. Where he has to, like, <laughs> stick his hand in the... Oh, oh no. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> or just, like a, like, a swarm of, like, 
bees or something. Ugh, probably like what would be worse is if they were like crawling on me. Ugh, oh my no. gosh. <laughs> if, That's what really would get me. If Pennywise were uh, were to appear to me, um, I know what it would be like because when I was young, I had these nightmares um, about a, or, or I would like stay up at night uh, about the killer whale from the animated Scamper the Penguin uh, film. <laughs> like swimming like through the air through my window second story of the house <laughs> and like like breaking into my room and eating me so that's oh, how no, Pennywise that's would so appear. dark that's frightening <laughs> yikes so i have this distinct memory of like watching the lion king i think we see like skulls and bones and stuff maybe in the hyena's lair or something yeah mm. probably yeah. i think and, so I have this distinct memory of watching The Lion King and like pausing it to go to the bathroom and not wanting to sit on the toilet because I thought there was going to be a skull in the toilet. Oh, sure. <laughs> that still happens to me sometimes, but like with snakes, I'm like, what if there's snakes! a snake in the toilet? <laughs> I know, that happens to me too. <gasps> oh. It's the worst. It's, it's the like, worst. I need to sit down. It's like I, I sit down and then I like look and I'm like, <laughs> this is well, insane, but I'm still terrified. <laughs> if you move to Florida, this can be your reality. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing, like, being bit by a snake is troubling, but being bit by a snake on the backside, oh, my word, it's just so much worse. Yes. At least, I, at that point in my life, I was not worried about snakes in the toilet. For some reason, I was terrified of a skull being in the toilet, which really... That's, like, not bad It's not at that all, scary. <laughs> but, so, I suppose, somehow, Pennywise would, like, appear as a skull in a toilet and like chase oh, me or something i don't know okay or okay. like try to bite your butt oh man that's horrifying oh. so so pennywise is there he's a killer whale he's bugs he's a skull um and obviously he's a, a huge character in the it franchise heather tell us a he little is bit the about it yeah he is the it he is. Um, okay, so I'm going to read the synopses. Is that how, is that the plural? So we're talking about It and It Chapter 2. And this these two movies are based on a book by Stephen King that came out in the 80s. And I think in the 90s, they came out with a miniseries that covered both of the books. But for yeah. these, kind of for this reboot, they decided to split it into two. Um, and I'll, so I'll read the synopses and we can talk about that a little bit more. For the movie It, it says, In the summer of 1989, a group of bullied kids band together to destroy a shape-shifting monster which disguises itself as a clown and preys on the children of Derry, their small main town. And then in It Chapter 2, it's 27 years after their first encounter with the terrifying Pennywise, which is the clown, the Losers Club have grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back. So in the book, the stories of them as kids and the stories of them as adults are kind of intertwined, I believe. I actually haven't read the book, but that's what I read. But they decided to split those out for these two movies, which is interesting. So just a little bit of a warning. We're obviously going to be talking about spoilers. Uh, both of these movies are rated R, so... Just be aware of that. And also there is a lot of uh, gore and uh, stressful, frightening images. Um, it's particularly distressing because there's children involved, um, which can 
be extra yeah distressing for me as an adult watching that um also there's a bunch of swearing so just be aware of that and as you are aware we are going to continue on with our big ideas heather what is something that really jumped out at you that you want to engage today so i watched these movies like very close together ani and i watched it um (laughs) together but separately we don't live in the same place (laughs) but um we were on the phone (laughs) watching it together one uh late thursday night uh i don't know probably like a month ago um and then i think within about a week i watched the second one i don't know if it was like my mood or um like the setting that I watched it in or like I just didn't know what was coming but for me the first movie was a lot scarier than Mm -hmm. the second movie and I think part of that was maybe we didn't know exactly how Pennywise worked as much in the second movie we know we understand more um in the first movie also Pennywise only appears to kids the adults can't see him and the adults can't see the havoc that he causes so yeah Beverly um at one point her bathroom becomes like totally covered in blood and her father comes in to check on her and she's just covered in it it's everywhere and he doesn't see it at all and then she winds up bringing her friends and they help her clean it up but they see it so that's very interesting Mm -hmm. that Pennywise is only able to really target kids Pennywise is capitalizing on fear and causing fear like Pennywise is evil and he kind of Um, is a part of this town and that manifests itself with like a lot of fear and then in the second movie the way that Pennywise got to them wasn't trying to scare them but actually capitalizing on regrets that they had because when they grow up it's like 27 years later all of them essentially have grown up they've moved away except for Mike and they all have these pretty great lives at least on the outside But then they get called back because they made this promise that if Pennywise was to return in 27 years that they would come back. So they all wind up coming back, um, except for Stanley, unfortunately, who cannot face this. And so he winds up um, taking his own life, which is very sad. Um, And that is one of the regrets that the rest of the group has. They feel like, in a way, that they are responsible for Stanley's death. And as they're back in this town and kind of trying to figure out kind of what steps to take to um, take Pennywise down, they all kind of have to reface some of these fears that they had as as children. But now it it really feels like as adults that they're it's more like their regrets about how things went or about things that they did or they didn't do. And for me as an adult, um, you know, I don't, I'm not very fearful of a lot of things like I used to be, but I am regretful of a lot of things. And I think my biggest fear is probably having regrets, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. looking back on my life and feeling like, oh, I didn't do this, or I wasn't there for that person or, um, you know, things like that. And so that really resonated with me. And um, it was interesting to me that in the first movie, Pennywise is like the scariest thing. And then in the second movie, it's not being able to live with yourself, like having regrets of, of about your life and how and who you were. That's like the scary thing. And I thought that that was very kind of true to real life. As we get older, we're less fearful of the world around us. 
um, in many ways. We're not afraid that skulls are going to show up in our toilet, um, but we do regret um, things in our past, and that can sometimes consume you. So I thought that was very interesting uh, contrast. What are some other specific ways that you see that play out maybe in your life or in the lives of people around you? That's a good question. (laughs) I mean, what do you think, Ani? Like you have high school students all around you. You are a high school student. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously that's not, that's not 27 years later, right? From 10, right? But it is. It is still. Yeah, it's seven years later. (laughs) And there's a lot of developmental change. There's a lot of like the boogeyman stops being so scary in high school. Yeah. I think that as we get older, we do like, I mean, in a way we have less irrational fears, but in a way they're irrational in a different way. Hmm. Like, like instead of, oh, there's a monster under my bed. It's, oh, I'm going to get fired if I ask for a raise or... (laughs) If I don't finish, if I don't get a good grade on this test, I'm going to fail high school. Like, it feels like that in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So it's, it's like, it's still irrational in some ways, but it's less openly irrational. It's less like, oh, that doesn't exist. And it's more like fears based on reality. Hmm. I, I, I think about that. I think that regret is more a part of the landscape of my life now than fear is and my fears are just exactly what you're saying on a less extreme and magical but unreal um but they're 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 more tangible but they're magical and so they're unreal like a flying killer whale you know outside (laughs) my window like that is not something that actually happens but but there are also fears that that really dictate a huge amount of my behavior or the behavior of those around me. I heard, I heard one uh, mentor of mine explain it like um, humans are, are really afraid of two things, either physical death or social death. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so physical death obviously manifests itself when you're standing on a very high place and there isn't a railing. And so Ugh. Like your body feels, you feel the fear of physical death um, or when someone is approaching you with a gun or a knife or, you know, something of, of that sort. But then social death are some of those things that, that you alluded to, um, maybe a, a conversation with a boss or, mm-hmm. you know, what will happen to me if I fail this test or something like that. So those fears do still really really travel with us they change again it's less you know the killer whale or or maybe like oh i might get shot if i go outside i think most adults don't live constantly with that fear though there are you know sometimes things that that make us feel that kind of fear as well but you know generally it's it's more of a will i be good enough at my job to keep my job am i am i enough of an adult to be accepted by my peers uh, and so there's still there's still a great deal of fear, um, even in adulthood. I think one common fear that we have in adulthood and when you're a teenager is this, 
you know, you said social death, <laughs> like mm-hmm. social dynamics. And I think that's for sure a fear slash regret that um, is present in particularly it chapter two, where in the first movie, Ben um, is kind of in love with Beverly and so is Bill. <laughs> and so they kind of have this like love triangle thing going. Uh-huh. And then in adulthood, I think Ben's regret is kind of like not being honest with Beverly because he like wrote this letter to her that was like anonymous, this beautiful poem, and she thought it was Bill and <laughs> it created this drama or whatever. But, um, you know, I think he, his character is very like sensitive and kind, but I think he kind of has this this question of what if I had worn my heart on my sleeve more or even like a present question of, of what if I wore my heart on my sleeve more now? Like, could I be there for Beverly? Like, would she accept me? And that's very much a fear. And then there's still, like, you know, a love triangle thing going between Bill and Beverly and Ben. But mm-hmm. um, in the second movie, when they're adults. But Beverly, I think she has this fear of relationships that is very grounded in her trauma because yeah you know in the first movie her father was abusive in all the ways and then when we first meet her in the second movie she like lives in this like beautiful really nice like brownstone (laughs) apartment um like in new york or something she has like this beautiful walk-in closet with all the shoes and all the handbags and um she gets the call from Mike saying, hey, Pennywise is back. We need to, like, get back together and try to figure out, you know, how to defeat this guy, all of us, all the Losers Club. And she's on the phone, and then she hangs up, and then she starts packing because she has to go. And she tells her husband – well, her husband, like, turns over. He's, like, in bed or something and says, like, oh, what's going on? And she's like, oh, my friend needs me. And he's like, okay. And you're like, oh, that's so great. But I really found this, like, great husband. And then pretty quickly – um, it turns and you find out actually he is abusive, more abusive, um, or at least more volatile, more physically. Yeah, you know, he was more physically It's like abusive. in your face abusive than her father was. And it kind of shatters this. I mean, we have this dream for Beverly that she can escape yeah. um, the abuse that she experienced at the hands of her father and then it's like oh nope the cycle of of abuse is repeating so then when they all return to Derry she is able to get away from her husband um and they all return to Derry um the the town that they grew up in and there's this love triangle stuff going on Beverly is very guarded because she has had difficulty with relationships and I think that 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 is a very real fear that we have as human beings is Am I going to be safe when I become vulnerable with someone? Mm. Especially if we've experienced trauma and we've experienced instances where people violated trust or violated boundaries, like her father very much violated. um, Major boundaries. (laughs) Yeah, and just ruined the type of relationship that that fathers and daughters are supposed to have. And that's, that's a very difficult trauma to overcome. And when you get stuck in cycles of abuse how it's it's difficult to to feel like you can have a healthy relationship where you do feel safe and you can trust the person um and that's really what all of us want as human beings is to be known and be loved and be safe 
and know that we can trust the people around us who who mm. we who we are being vulnerable to. I want to I want to come back to the shift in the in the two films, one from fear to regret and sort of explore what you two think about like what is it that these two things have in common, right? In like levels of abstraction, obviously um initially like you say regret and you say fear and we think very different things right if you go up a couple levels of abstraction you say well they're both negative right both of these are negative human experiences fear on the one hand regret on the other hand right but is there something else is there something kind of in between just negative and the two of them something that that binds them together um in a way that is that is more meaningful. I guess I'm 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 curious if if maybe there's something about the nature of fear or regret that these films could could help us understand or explore um in in a unique way because it's like why is it why is it I guess is my question that pennywise switches other than the fact I mean maybe there are some story issues, you know, like adults are less fearful and these were the kids that beat him up. So now he has to go after them instead of other people in the town or, or whatever, you know, but is he targeting other adults too? Is he? So he doesn't really, as far as we can tell, he's mostly still targeting kids in the second movie. The very first kind of attack that we see Pennywise do after he returns is against adults which we will talk about a little later. But yeah, it's mostly he sh- he shows up to kids and he's attacking kids and then he shows up to the adults who had confronted him and had a battle with him at the end, which would be the Losers Club. Um, that is an interesting difference too, is it seems like somehow either Pennywise got more powerful so he was able to show up to adults or... Maybe because he had a history with the Losers Club when they were kids, he can still appear to them. I always kind of pictured the reason that he wouldn't show himself to adults. I never really thought about if he had the power to or not, but I just assumed he was kind of playing on the whole, like, when you're a kid and you're scared of something or, like, you have a nightmare, you go sleep in your parents' bed because adults make you feel safe. So if the adults don't know what's going on and they can't see it, then they can't protect you from it. And that's kind of what I always saw it as. That is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just kind of always thought about it that way. Because, you know, when you're a kid, I don't know, it's just like all the examples I can really think of is like if a kid is scared or something, usually their first instinct, kind of like a dog, is to go to safety. For dogs, it's like, oh, my owner. Or, you know, for kids, it's like, mommy, help me. (laughs) Yeah. So. And it's interesting because, like, with regret, there's really, like, no one to go to. Like, it's it's not like, okay, keep the scary thing away. Yeah, it's Mm. something that's, like, internal that it's, like really hard to escape from. And that's why it's like internal torture. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why we have, you know, addiction (laughs) and uh, Mm -hmm. alcoholism and depression that spirals and and things like that um so so just to to make sure i'm drawing this line correctly maybe um if i'm following you like children are vulnerable 
they're more vulnerable, you know, and then by him attacking children and not showing up to adults, then there's nothing that the kids can, can do about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And like nothing can save them. Nothing unquote. can, nothing can. Yeah. Right. And, and with regret with adults, that's something that nothing can save the adults from no other human. They can't lean on any other, um, they can't call the military in. They can't, <laughs> they can't call their Senator. They can't talk to their pastor. They can't, they can't just resolve that regret. Yeah. It's something that they are, yeah. they're vulnerable there. It's like something that they feel they did to themselves and it's like self-torture. Yeah, exactly. And it's an internal dialogue and an internal mm-hmm. kind of negative self-talk like, oh, I will never move past this thing that I did or this thing that happened to me. Um, And that's really interesting in light of how the movie ends, where, spoiler alert, um, in this particular rendition of it, uh, the way that they kind of defeat Pennywise, um, after he, he kind of turns into this, like, alien form, so he has, like, these kind of spider spider legs. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he is still Pennywise the Clown, kind of on the top half, but he's, like, huge. And they're all like, like trying to figure out how to defeat him. And there really doesn't seem to be a good way out of this. And then um, they just start like telling him that he's small. Yeah, like, and that he's like a bully. Yeah, and he sucks. They're basically. like, yeah, like, they're you like, suck. you're just a bully. And Pennywise starts shrinking, and, and he's like, ah, yeah, and he like eventually just becomes this like little like squishy like (laughs) clown thing that just looks really sad he like gets really deflated yeah he's like a balloon that deflates which i don't know maybe they did that on purpose because he like the balloon is like the symbolism but um it's like the the things that had been well and that that's how the fear worked too is like you can't oh I can't tell people that I saw this scary thing they at first they couldn't even tell each other and then they started sharing that and they weren't telling the parents and so it became this this thing that was kind of an internal dialogue negative that kept them trapped and then when you're an adult and you're experiencing regret it's the same thing and we see this a lot in Bill's arc where um, his fear slash regret is the exact same thing in the first movie and the second movie it's I caused Georgie to die. And mm-hmm. it's this internal dialogue that he has carried with him and uh, this negative self-talk that it's his fault, his fault, his fault. And then eventually the way that they defeat Pennywise is they turn that back on him. Like, this is all your fault, not ours. <laughs> yeah, and say, like, you're a bully. You're not as big as you think you are. You don't have the power over us that you Mm -hmm. think you are because you're actually really small because you're nothing but a bully. And at first when I watched the movie and that's how they defeated him, I was like, that feels a little bit like, I don't know, a cop out or something, but (laughs) like inspirational ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's like McGee and me, did they make this? Um, But uh, you know, the more I sat on it, I was like, that kind of makes sense with, with the, the arc of how they talk about fear and regret and 
how we internalize things about ourselves. We internalize the bullying we receive and that becomes like Mm -hmm. we bully ourselves. And um, so the way that they were able to defeat the bully is tell it like it was and say, you are the bully. And I don't know, maybe if Pennywise had better self-esteem, like he wouldn't have (laughs) become so deflated. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But it's also kind of like, I feel like it could also stand as like symbolism because when people pick on you or something, you feel like emotionally deflated. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And you feel small, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly that what happened. That's what happened to Pennywise. And maybe that's kind of one of the, like you said, it's the symbolism. They felt the losers club felt small and helpless, even as adults. Um, against this creature, Pennywise. Um, But it was really Pennywise who, in his, you know, true form, (laughs) so to speak, when he wasn't gathering power from other people's fear, he was actually very small and helpless and was Mm -hmm. really not the bully um, that he tried to be, that he was purported to be. Um, that's That's a very powerful idea, Especially when you're younger and you're dealing with bullies that that look like, you know, bullies that we see in TV shows like The Mean Kid or whatever. But there are bullies even when you're an adult. Sometimes um, you are your own bully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. No, I, I, I think that so often bullies appear bigger and we give them more power than we actually should. Whether they're political figures, figureheads who are bullies or... Uh, church leaders or political uh, systems yeah systems societal or, yeah beliefs. societal yeah i mean there's there's a um family members we have friends. we have a tendency of giving others you know whatever that other is um you know a lot more power than maybe it needs to have another thing that really jumped out at me as as you two were unpacking that was that these these fears and these regrets that seemed that seemed like they had to deal with them all alone in isolation that no one else can help me with my regret but then it is in the context of friendship it's in the context of community it's in the context of banding together that these children are able to face their fears yeah. and these adults are able to face their regrets and ultimately conquer evil in the first movie once they figure out that they've all had experiences with pennywise and we and they start sharing that then they come up with this plan to you know we're going to figure out more about pennywise we're going to defeat him at that moment and so at the end of the first movie they do have this showdown with pennywise and he's pretty defeated like he crawls back into the sewer yeah (laughs) his like head is like half gone yeah because it's just like like, a void inside it's like empty (laughs) yeah because they like stab him and stuff but it's yeah it's when they band together and they they're attacking him and there's just too much going on for him to to defeat them and he like while they're kind of attacking him in that final battle in the first movie he try he appears as their fears so like he his head changes to whatever their fears are like to each of the kids while they're attacking him and he just can't keep track and it's not because they're together and they have the support of the community they're not fearful yeah and so they're able to defeat him yeah um and of course he goes and rests for 27 years and then comes back and is like more (laughs) powerful 
Um, but that is exactly the, the, I mean, like the biggest theme I would say probably of this is community and friendship. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they call themselves the losers club. Um, (laughs) and then, so Eddie, he breaks his arm at some point in the first movie and, um, this mean girl at school writes loser on his cast. She's like, I'll (laughs) sign your cast. And then she writes loser and he changes it to lover. (laughs) He changes it to say lover. And so after they've defeated Pennywise um, in the first movie and they're like up on the surface again, they're not in the sewers anymore. Um, They're like standing in a circle and like the sun is shining and everything is better. And there's this shot of Eddie um, and his cast and it has, you know, the V on there. So it says lovers and that's exactly what they are. (laughs) Like they were a bunch of losers, so to speak. But then when they came together and banded together, they were... Mm -hmm lovers and the love was the thing that kind of conquered pennywise and conquered like allowed them to face their fears mm-hmm. was like when we band together and we're a community and we support each other and we look out for each other we can defeat this evil that's causing havoc and making us fearful mm-hmm. yeah there is a scene i don't remember exactly when it was but they were kind of fighting because they were like you know a few of them were like we need to do this together and a few of them were like heck no i'm not gonna die and beverly was kind of you know trying to get between them and say like the reason she said something like we were together that's why we're still alive and so that even adds to the like theme of it and kind of directly says it in our face, like they're alive and able to defeat Pennywise because they're together and they work together. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ani, what about yours? What's what's something what's one of the things that really jumped out at you? Um, well, there were some things in the story, like maybe Richie's relationship with Eddie. But one thing from like a filmmaking perspective that kind of jumped out at me is I was expecting more depth to Mike. I feel like they didn't really address his like life yeah. and stuff a lot cuz I had Mike was kind of a shallow character. Like character yeah. not because of him. It's not his fault, but there wasn't as much substance there as there yeah. definitely could have been. Like, there was a lot of substance, obviously, to Bill because, you know, the whole thing started with his, you know, younger brother Georgie and stuff. But I I had mm. seen the 1990, you know, few movies. Um, they're long, but <laughs> I had seen that, like, a while ago. But I feel like based on that, I haven't read the book, but based on that, I feel like I was expecting a little bit more... I mean, like, we know Mike's backstory, you know, like, his parents died in, like, a house fire. It was, like, arson or something. And that kind of thing. And, like, we know that he works, like, in a butcher shop with, like, butchering lambs and stuff. But I feel like I wanted more, like, character development from him. Hmm. Why, Why do you think they did that? I don't know. I think they just, there's a lot of characters and they ran out of... Those- room so to speak which is really unfortunate because um i have not read the book like i mentioned earlier but um the original book the the childhood is set in the 50s oh really and then uh, yeah and then when they um confront pennywise as adults that's in the 80s okay and one dynamic that um 
you know, from the standpoint of history, was more prominent in the 50s than it was in the 80s, though not totally gone, um, is is uh, kind of overt racism. Yeah. And so in the book, uh, he experiences some very overt racism. And in the movies, these more recent movies, that's, like, not there hardly at all. Oh, that's um, true. Maybe they didn't want to include that as much. Which is unfortunate because... That is still something that is a part of our society today and definitely yeah. was in the 80s. Um, but, you know, like the bullies. Yeah, they like tried to run him over in a car. <laughs> yeah. It's not explicit that they dislike him because he's black. But maybe that is why. It sure seems you like know, Maybe it. we're supposed to <laughs> gather that. Um, and then there's a little bit of an illusion um, at the end of the um, second movie there's this newspaper clipping that Mike had had um, that said that his parents died in a crack house, which is a stereotype. And uh, after Pennywise dies, after he's defeated, that newspaper clipping, the headline changes. Oh, I forgot about um, that. To something else. And so I think the the purpose of, of that is to show like Pennywise, his evilness has kind of it's very pervasive in the town and it's it's touched everything it's Mm -hmm. touched how we see ourselves it's touched i mean that's the bullying whenever bullying happens in this town um like pennywise is there he's not actively doing the scaring but he likes to like watch (laughs) it's really creepy and at the beginning of the second movie which is set in 2018 the opening kind of appearance of pennywise is right after a group of uh, bullies who range in age from like teenagers to adults attack this gay couple and um, beat them up and throw one of them over the bridge which unfortunately is based on a real event that happened in Stephen King's hometown um, and that's why he put it in the book so Pennywise he affects how people see each other mm-hmm. as well how we how how you see people who are quote-unquote different from you and then when Pennywise is gone and this kind of evilness has lifted you're able to see things for what they really are so like the newspapers and people in the town might like to tell Mike that oh yeah your parents died in like a crack house fire but the truth was something like it was an accident yeah it was like it was just a regular house fire or something yeah yeah and I I kind of felt like Mike um particularly in the second movie was a little bit of just like a plot device (laughs) like someone had to be home and like finding out more about Pennywise and he's the one that did it but I I didn't feel like his character had as much depth as as I would have liked and a note about that too I was I'm not sure if it's like this in the book but the whole like Mike went and talked to you know a local indigenous tribe and they you know he learned the ritual of how to defeat Pennywise which spoiler alert does not work (laughs) um from these indigenous people I was uncomfortable with that because um that's often what our representation of our indigenous populations are like in Hollywood is like you know mystical (laughs) whatever (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's really just kind of a shortcut when, in reality, we have indigenous people, uh, like, they're just, they're they're everywhere, and we act like they're rare, not, 
Yeah, we act like they're rare and we act like, oh, you're all like this particular type or... Um, we... Yeah, their only function is some shamanistic... Yeah, which is um... really kind of... I mean, each each tribe has their different um, traditions and yeah. their different beliefs. And so to just go like, oh, I'll just throw in this, you know, random, um, you know, indigenous people group so that we can get a shortcut to mm-hmm. some kind of like ancient ritual to defeat a monster. It felt uh, like we could do a lot better. So I think it's unfortunate that they didn't really address the racism in a very deep way. Mm-hmm. And it wound up just like being a little like stereotypical, like mm-hmm. like it's just there. Um, <laughs> And then same thing with, you know, the storyline where he, like, his personal storyline involved, like, a stereotype about African-Americans that is common in our country. Mm-hmm. And then his active storyline of doing things involved kind of a stereotype of indigenous people. And, uh, yeah, that made me uncomfortable. And I, I wish that they had done a bit more work with Mike uh in the first movie, I felt like even then they didn't give as much time and and kind of character development to him as I would have liked. You know, before we transition to the next section, I just I'm curious, Ani, why do you think this sort of I don't know missing piece in in the Mike character really you know resonated with you or, or stuck with you so much? Um, I don't know. I guess. I feel like they addressed a lot. I mean, there were some characters they didn't address as much depth with. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we went through a lot of depth with Bill and with Beverly, you know, her home life. We touched a little bit on Eddie's home life, but not as much like his feelings, as much as like his hypo, you know, hypochondria type stuff. And we know that he had kind of like a bossy mom. Um, I don't know. I felt like they just didn't touch on it as much with Mike. And I don't know, I just kind of was like, huh, I was expecting more. (laughs) Uh, Like, I guess Mm. they kind of, they kind of developed his character a little bit more in the second movie by showing, like, his loyalty to the losers, (laughs) Um, you know, Mm. because he actually did call them when Pennywise came back and they showed his, you know, bravery and courage and everything. But I still feel like they just didn't really touch as much maybe on, like, his internal feelings and fears as much other than like this whole, Oh, my parents died in a fire thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and we also kind of get mad at Mike because this whole ritual that they perform, like it, he, he knew that it didn't work. Like when he went to talk to the people and they gave him the ritual or whatever, he knew it didn't work, but he ignored it because he needed something. That was, yeah, that was a little bit of a shortcut. And that was kind of stupid. Yeah, because in they're having their showdown or whatever, or they're about to have their showdown with Pennywise, um, and we think that doing this ritual will keep them from having to do that, and then it doesn't work, and then they're like, what the heck, Mike? And then they realize that he knew, and he just was ignoring that the ritual didn't work. Yeah. Um, they didn't even and it, like and then you're, tell us, like, they didn't really give us enough depth of, like, why he was so desperate for that to work like he just he was desperate and I would have appreciated more of like you know maybe this trauma in his past or something is what made him desperate or that kind of thing I mean and it's you just wind up getting frustrated Mm -hmm. at him (laughs) like that's the thing that he does in the in the second movie is like he's the one that's orchestrating 
we can defeat him, etc. And then you get mad at him. And they do wind up being able to to defeat him. But, you know, I, I do, I think I resonated with that little bit of Mike then because if you were facing down this like ultimate evil and you didn't know how to stop it and you had like one idea of what you could do to stop it even though you heard it didn't work like relentlessly pursuing that and hoping that it would work I can I can see doing that like as a human being sometimes we do things that we know aren't gonna work um, yeah. Because we're like, we have to. I don't have a choice. Desperation. Desperation. Yeah. yeah. All right. How in one to two sentences, how did this movie impact you? Or I should say these two movies. How did they impact you? <laughs> I guess that's a really good question. I don't know if this is like a super deep response, but I feel like the overall theme kind of showed the importance of support and honesty between each other and like what bullies can do to people and like kind of what bullies truly are which is small (laughs) so how does how does that impact you where does that hit you honey i don't know i guess it i feel like it it helps draw attention to the things that kind of get swept under the rug in this world you know, mm. it's like bullies, bullying has been a thing, you know, forever. And people just kind of mm-hmm. sweep it under the rug because, like, it always happens and stuff. And we always try to stop it, but it's still there. <laughs> the way that Pennywise kind of creates this negative, like, the evilness that he is that permeates into this town, mm-hmm. it seems like there's kind of two ways that it manifests so or maybe three ways um he manifests as fear he influences others to action and like he'll influence the bullies and we didn't talk about this but in the first movie there's a character who kind of like psychologically snaps and he's the main bully and he uh is influenced by pennywise to like kill his father who is also a bully he's a cop um but he's abusive and then he goes and tries to kill the losers so pennywise is like taking advantage of this kid and influencing him to action and so that's one way and then the other way is you look at all the adults and none of them are really doing anything about any of the stuff that's happening so of course the parents are trying to find their kids but we don't really we don't interact with the parents very much we don't interact with the cops it doesn't really seem like they're doing much except putting out a curfew and there is bullying that's happening and there's abuse that's happening you know beverly is a good example and none of the adults are doing anything about it Mm -hmm. There's literally a moment when I think Ben is getting bullied yeah, like on the bridge. Cutting him with a knife. <laughs> they're like cutting him with a knife. The main bully, he's like being psychotic yeah. and writing his Sadistic. name. In Ben's. <laughs> yes. And this car drives by and there are two adults in the car and they look at the bullying happening and they look away and they keep driving. Yeah. And then a balloon appears in the back of the car. And it took me a while to kind of figure out, wait, does that mean that, like, Pennywise was just appearing as the car? (laughs) 
Or was he, like, affecting to, like, the adults in some way? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to figure exactly. out what and, he did. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I just thought of this today where I think he was affecting the adults. The way that he did affect the adults is he caused them to not see and not do things about what was going on in the town. There's another moment where one of the secondary bullies, his name is Patrick, he goes into the sewers to chase Ben, but Ben isn't in the sewers, mm-hmm. but we know Pennywise is in the sewers. <laughs> and he actually gets attacked by Pennywise. Mm-hmm. And he, when he's getting attacked, he kind of screams. And there's a shot where uh, we all of a sudden go up to like the ground level of the town and we can hear him kind of shouting like through the sewer and there are these people walking above the sewer and no one hears it that's another kind of symbol of this like there's all these evil things happening behind closed doors maybe underground people just kind of sweep it under the rug or just don't know (laughs) they just don't notice it and so the thing that you said like just being aware of these things that are going on Mm -hmm. um that really that really struck me because that's how Pennywise, that's another way that, that he affects this town and affects the people, particularly the adults, yeah. is that he puts either this like cover, you know, over their eyes, so to speak, um, or they're in a daze um, and, you know, they're not empath- empathetic or, you know, something. But that's that's how evil can affect mm. us is it's not just doing evil things like the bullies. Or like Pennywise, like eating children, it's ignoring the injustices that are happening in her own town. Yeah, that's just as bad. Yeah, just down the hall, you know? Theologians in my faith tradition would probably call those uh, sins of omission mm-hmm. rather than sins of commission. Oh, yeah. Things that, you, things that you don't do that demonstrate brokenness, evilness, rather than the active initiation of of something evil Mm -hmm. yeah good stuff we have a surprise question as is our custom here but today heather has our surprise question okay so the surprise question is there have been rumors of a third installment of the it series uh but all of the material has been covered from the original book. So if there was a third installment, what do you think it would be about? Ooh, I think based on what we saw specifically, I think in the second movie, like when Beverly is visiting her old house, there are pictures of this man, like from the 1800s or something, that look like Pennywise. So it could be a backstory story for Pennywise. But I also, there was something at the, like, the end of the second movie that had to do with Richie and Eddie. So maybe I would think it would either cover one or both of those things. Oh, maybe like a prequel kind of thing with Richie and Eddie. Oh, maybe so, yeah. Because, spoiler alert, Eddie died. yeah. Which was very It was sad. really hard on Richie. He took it the worst. Yeah. But we we found out some things about Richie, um, and there's speculation about this, but it seems like Richie's kind of regret and secret was that perhaps um, he's gay, and he spent his whole childhood and adult life kind of hiding that, and Pennywise 
alludes to that and it's alluded to us in certain scenes mm-hmm. and it's also alluded that maybe Richie loved Eddie as more than a friend and they had at least a very close friendship yeah um, at the end he was uh finishing a carving or something uh near a bridge and it was like yeah r plus e or something like that yeah it would be really interesting to get more information sure. about that or even see like how does Richie move on after this yeah. because he I think had the the biggest transformational moment in in uh I almost said season two in the second movie Mm -hmm. because he finally seemed to come to grips with his sexuality. Yeah. Um, At least that's what it's what's it's alluded to. And he his whole persona is very macho and from being a kid, like even when he was a kid. That's very true. And so for him to come to this realization and have to be like, okay, who am I really? Especially after losing someone who is dear to him, whether a f- just a friend or or more than a friend, Eddie. Um, you know, where is he going to go from here? It would be interesting to see where all the characters go yeah, from for here. Sure. Like, how do you move on after this? Um, With the end of the first movie, it seems very clear that it, that Pennywise, is still alive. He crawls away and yeah. everything. Is there any chance that he could come back after numero dos? I'm trying to remember. Does he, like, shrivel and then, like, blow away? I think he does or something like that. But here's the thing is, like, the background of Pennywise is that he is from another planet, essentially. Yeah. So there's probably more of him in the universe. There's actually a theory out there that Mary Poppins is the same species or the same entity. (laughs) And it's actually pretty convincing. (laughs) Wow. I like her a lot more than Pennywise. (laughs) Yeah. I I would love to see... I would love to see more films about older people. And, you know, you go from kids who are, you know, what, they're 10... Something like that. Ish, you know, in the first one. So so now 27 years later, they're... 37. Mid-30s. You know, yeah. that's kind of the, the prime of life. And uh, it would be interesting to, to bring a cast in that's a, a large group of, you know, now they're early... <laughs> Almost 70. Yeah. That would be cool. And then maybe they could pass it on. Like, oh. they could train in, like, a new... A new like losers crew. group, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like be, a new that'd losers. That would be very group. interesting. I mean, I I agree with with you guys. It, it seems like a prequel would be easier. Yeah, but but also I I think that and this this kind of speaks to you know one of the things that Heather pointed out um, with kind of the the second movie not being as scary as the first because we knew what was coming. We kind of knew how Pennywise worked. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about a prequel too. I I think that they would have to, um, uh, in my, in one of the literature classes that I took, they, I mean, you call it dramatic irony, you know, when the audience knows something that the characters in the story Mm -hmm. don't know. And I think that horror movies in part work, um, not just like they can't just work on dramatic irony like comedies do much better with dramatic irony than horror movies do like horror movies demand that the audience doesn't know something you know and so in stranger things the 
the stakes change in season two from season one and in season three from season two there's similar things but the stakes change and so if you know it's another alien you know from the planet but who operates in a different way or who is more you know comprehensive in their effect you know on the town or on the people or something like that then then that might be a better that might be a better horror experience than doing a prequel when it's like, mm-hmm. well, we already know that the bad guy dies in this way, that, you know, this is yeah. how it's resolved, that, you know, unless well, and you I switch think genre. Too, that's also why, like, the second movie wasn't as scary. And it was, like, a little less interesting to me, actually, because I felt like I understood too much. Like, knowing that Pennywise was an alien thing versus, like, we don't know where he came from. We just know he's evil. That would have been, like, a little bit more compelling to me. So I feel like the more movies that they kind of explore that mm-hmm. and, like, reveal more information, it'll get weaker, I guess. Yeah. But It might not. I mean, they could, if they did something, like, kind of the same, quote-unquote, species or from the same planet or whatever, but they, like, worked slightly differently, that could be kind of, like, a mystery thing that kind of might be able to still captivate viewers and everything because it would be like, oh, well, we know how the species works in general, but we don't know how this specific character likes to do things. Like if it showed up in a different town. Mm -hmm. And like maybe it did things differently. Maybe it appeared as like a normal human or something, you know. Mm. Or a dog. Or Mary Poppins. Poppins. Yeah, or Mary Poppins. Yeah, that theory is very interesting. I'll have to tell you guys about it. <laughs> um, so my theory for a third movie, which Ani mentioned a little bit, but I would love to see some of the story from when Pennywise has shown up in the past in this yeah, town. Yeah, because there's a lot of pictures in like the dairy history books that have like him in there. Exactly. And he like he shows up like you can see him in photos. It's super yeah. creepy. And I love that. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned, when Beverly goes back to her childhood apartment as an adult, uh-huh. um, she talks to this old woman who winds up being Pennywise, like in disguise. <laughs> um, but uh, while she's talking to this woman and things kind of escalate and get scary, she has like this she sees um, this man or she well, at first she sees this photo on the wall of this man and he's in front of this cart that says Pennywise the Dancing Clown. And he looks like the human version of Pennywise. Like Pennywise without makeup. Like same face. And he's played by the same actor. So that totally makes sense. Um, but he's got his Pennywise smile <laughs> going. Um, and so I that, of course, opened a lot of questions up for me. Like, okay, so did Pennywise see this creepy dude and then say, like, I want that to be my shtick? Or did somehow that man kind of descend into madness, which we see like Pennywise shows Beverly this kind of scene where um, he's going a little nuts and like this man like from 100 years ago or whatever and like painting his face and like laughing maniacally and being crazy. Um, I want to know about that. Like how how did Pennywise pick being Pennywise? You know, if he can show up as anything. Yeah. Why would he um, show up as like a clown? Like specifically yeah. a dancing clown, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think that could be really interesting. And of course, part of the magic of the first movie is it's very nostalgic. It's set in the 80s. And I, th- 
I like period pieces. I think it'd be interesting to see how Pennywise functioned in like the early 1900s or or something like that. I do know that the actor Bill Skarsgård, um, he's open to a third movie. So that's great. I'd be so down. Well, I watched it chapter two before Ani did. So I wrote down a bunch of questions that I was like, I have to talk to her about. (laughs) And so when she went and watched it with friends, like later she called me and I was like, okay, what about this? What about this theory? What about this? (laughs) So uh, that's something I really like about this world is that there's there's a lot you can unpack. Um, So uh, because we have to wrap up this episode, please let us know what you think. What did we miss? Um, Answer the questions that we asked. You can do so by checking out our Facebook community group, um, Your Movie Hour Community. Just search for that and uh, read the rules. Request to join. We'd love to have you. You can email us your thoughts or send us a voicemail message um, through our email, yourmoviehour at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Your Movie Hour and check out our Patreon if you want to support. Don't forget to tell your friends, rate, and review us. This has been Your Movie Hour. And remember, we all float down here. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I don't think anything could compel me (laughs) to to go into a storm drain with a creepy clown. However, as a child, maybe if the creepy clown had ice cream. I feel like... Pennywise could get you in a storm drain now with ice cream. No.